Chapters One, Two, and Three of A Texas Cowboy by Charles A. Seringo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One: My Boyhood Days. It was a bright morning on the seventh day of February, eighteen fifty-six, as near as I can remember, that your humble servant came prancing into this wide and wicked world by glancing over the map you will find his birthplace at the extreme southern part of the lone star state on the peninsula of matagorda a narrow strip of land bordered by the gulf of mexico on the south and matagorda bay on the north this peninsula is from one to two miles wide and seventy-five miles long it connects the mainland at caney and comes to a focus at descros point or salura pass about midway between the two was situated the dutch settlement and in the centre of that settlement which contained only a dozen houses stood the little frame cottage that first gave me shelter my father who died when i was only a year old came from the sunny clime of italy while my dear old mother drifted from the bogs of good old ireland am i not a queer conglomerate a sweet-scented mixture indeed our nearest neighbor was a kind old soul by the name of john williams whose family consisted of his wife and eleven children in the fall of eighteen fifty nine i took my first lessons in school my teacher being a mr hale from illinois the schoolhouse a little old frame building stood off by itself about a mile from the settlement and we little towheads sister and i had to hoof it up there every morning through the grass burrs barefooted our little sun-browned feet had never been encased in shoe leather up to that time to avoid the grass burrs sometimes on getting an early start we would go around by the gulf beach which was quite a distance out of our way in taking this route though i would generally be late at school for there were so many little things to detain me such as trying to catch the shadow of a flying seagull or trying to lasso sand crabs on my stick horse crowds of cowboys used to come over to the peninsula from the mainland and sometimes have occasion to rope wild steers in my presence hence me trying to imitate them i remember getting into a scrape once by taking the beach route to school sister who was a year older than i was walking along the water edge picking up pretty shells while i was riding along on my stick horse taking the kinks out of my rope a piece of fish line so as to be ready to take in the first crab that showed himself those crabs went in large droves and sometimes ventured quite a distance out from the gulf but on seeing a person would break for the water it was not long before i spied a large drove on ahead pulling their freight for the water i put spurs to my pony and dashed after them i managed to get one old fat fellow headed off and turned towards the prairie i threw at him several times but he would always go through the loop before i could pull it up he finally struck a hole and disappeared i was determined to get him out and take another whirl at him so dropping my horse and getting down on all fours i began digging the sand away with my hands dog fashion about that time sister came up and told me to come on as i would be late at school and so forth 
i think i told her to please go to halifax as i was going to rope that crab before i quit or bust at any rate she went off leaving me digging with all my might every now and then i would play dog by sticking my snoot down in the hole to smell but i rammed it down once too often mr crab was nearer the surface than i thought for he was laying for me i gave a comanche yell jumped ten feet in the air and lit out for home at a two-forty gate one of his claws was fastened to my upper lip while the other clamped my nose with an iron-like grip i met mr william berg coming out to the beach after a load of wood and he relieved me of my uncomfortable burden he had to break the crab's claws off to get him loose i arrived at school just as mr hale was ringing the bell after recess he called me up and wanted to know what was the matter with my face it was so bloody being a little george w minus the hatchet i told him the truth suffice to say he laid me across his knee and made me think a nest of bumblebees were having a dance in the seat of my breeches or at least where the seat should have been i never had a pair of pants on up to that time had worn nothing but a long white shirt made of a flour sack after some of the big bugs at matagorda had eaten the flour out the fall of eighteen sixty one mr hale broke up school and left for yankeedom to join the bluecoats and from that time on i had a regular picnic doing nothing and studying mischief billy williams was my particular chum we were constantly together doing some kind of devilment the old women used to say we were the meanest little imps in the settlement and that we would be hung before we were twenty-one our three favorite pastimes were riding the milk calves coon hunting and sailing playboats down on the bay shore shortly after school broke up i wore my first pair of breeches uncle nick and aunt mary mother's brother and sister who lived in galveston sent us a trunk full of clothes and among them was a pair of white canvas breeches for me the first sunday after the goods arrived mother made me scour myself all over and try my new pants on they were large enough for two kids of my size but mother said i could wear them that day if i would be a good boy and that she would take a few tucks in them before the next sunday so after getting me fixed up she told me not to leave the yard or she would skin me alive etc of course i should have been proud of the new addition to my wardrobe and like a good little boy obeyed my mother but i wasn't a good little boy and besides the glory of wearing white pants was insignificant compared to that of an exciting coon hunt with dogs through brush bramble and rushes you see i had promised billy the evening before to go coon hunting with him that day i watched my chance and while mother was dressing sister in her new frock i tiptoed out of the house and skipped billy was waiting for me with the four dogs and off we went for the bay shore arriving there the dogs disappeared in the tall rushes barking at every jump we jumped right in after them up to our waists in the mud we had a genuine good all-day coon hunt killing several coons and one wildcat we gave up the hunt about sundown and i started for home the glory of my new pants having departed 
i was indeed a sorry-looking sight covered with mud from head to foot i entered the house with some fear and trembling and well i might for mother was laying for me with the old black strap the result was i slept sound that night but couldn't sit down without pain for a week afterwards chapter two my introduction to the late war it was monday morning a day that i despised need you wonder for it was mother's wash day and i had to carry wood from the gulf beach to keep the pot boiling i tried to play off sick that morning but it would not work for mother had noticed that i got away with two plates of mush besides three hard-boiled eggs for breakfast before starting out after my first load of wood i hid the big old strap which hung by the door for i felt it in my bones there was war in the air i always did have a tough time of it on wash days and i knew this monday would bring the same old story at last mother got the fire started under the wash-pot which stood out in the yard and told me for about the twentieth time to go after an armful of wood i hesitated in hopes that she would take a notion to go herself but when she stamped her foot and picked up a barrel-stave i knew i had better be going for when she got her irish blood up it was dangerous to linger when i got out among the driftwood on the beach i treed a cottontail rabbit up a hollow log and i made up my mind to get mr cottontail out wood or no wood i began digging the sand away from the log as fast as i could so as to be able to roll it down into the gulf and drown the rabbit out it was a very hot day and digging the heavy sand with only my hands and a stick was slow tiresome work the result was i fell asleep with my head under the log and my bare legs sticking out in the hot june sun i dreamt i died and went to a dreadful hot country and satan was there piling hot coals on me finally the sun went under a cloud or at least i suppose it did for the burning pain left me and i began to dream of heaven i thought the lord was there sitting upon his throne of gold in the midst of scores of happy children calling me up to him he pointed to a large pile of fence rails down in a beautiful valley and said my boy you go down and carry every one of those rails up here to me before you stop his words landed up against my happy thoughts like a thunderbolt from a clear sky i had been thinking of what a picnic i would have with the other children a walk of about one mile brought me to the pile of rails there were more in the pile than i could count i shouldered one of the lightest and struck out up the steep hill thinking how i would like to be back with mother even if i had to carry an armful of wood from the beach now and then when about halfway up the hill i heard a terrible noise such as i had never heard before it awakened me and in trying to jump up i bumped my head against the log and also filled my eyes full of sand when i got on to my feet and the sand out of my eyes i discovered the whole beach east of me thronged with men carrying guns and marching right towards me the head ones were not over a hundred yards off beating drums and blowing their horns it is needless to say i was scared and that i ran as fast as my legs could carry me looking back every minute to see if they were after me it was in this way that i ran or sprang right into the midst of mrs zipprian's drove of geese before i knew it 
there were several old ganders in the drove which used to chase me every chance they got i generally took particular pains to go around them but this time my mind was in a different channel from what it had ever been in before hence my not looking out for them as i flew past two of the old ganders made a dive at me but only one succeeded in catching on he grabbed the tail of my shirt which stuck straight out behind in his mouth and hung on with blood in his eyes my speed seemed to increase instead of slacken every time the old gander would bounce up and come down his claws would rake the skin from the calves of my legs his death-like grip finally broke loose and i felt considerable lighter my mind also felt somewhat relieved bunner was out in the yard washing she had picked up chips enough to boil the water the tub was sitting upon a box and she was rubbing away with all her might her back towards me as i was looking over my shoulder i ran against her knocking her tub and all over into a pile myself with them mother got up first with her right hand in my shirt collar i pled manfully and tried to tell her about the scores of men but she was too mad to listen she dragged me to where the big black strap should have hung i knew she couldn't find it therefore hoped to get off with a few slaps but alas no she spied the mush-stick and the way she gave it to me with that was a caution the crowd i saw proved to be dr pearson's company of rebels who had been sent over from matagorda to drill and be ready to fight the bluecoats when they came it was then the summer of eighteen sixty two they located their camp on the beach about a mile from our house and i used to march with them all day long sometimes the captain dr pearson gave me an umbrella stick which i used for a gun that coming fall about five thousand yankees landed at dicko's point on the peninsula and marched by our ranch on their way to the rebel camp which was stationed forty miles above at the mouth of caney creek they camped one night close to our house and filled me up with hardtack which was quite a treat to a fellow living on mush and milk they had a five or six day fight with the rebels neither of them coming off victorious we could hear the guns plainly from the settlement many dead men were washed ashore on the beach my sister and i stumbled onto one poor fellow one day shot through the heart his clothes were gone and his wrist was marked j t in india ink after the battle the yankees marched back to decrow's point where they remained to the end of the war the rebels still held their ground at the mouth of caney every now and then a squad from each side would meet at the settlement and have a skirmish i remember once after one of these skirmishes a crowd of yankees rounded mr williams up on the prairie billy and i being with him and throwing their pistols in his face told him if they ever found him so far from home again they would kill him their threats didn't scare mr williams the least bit for he afterwards slipped into their camp after dark and stole eleven head of their best horses and gave them to the rebels but on his way back from the rebel camp where he went to take the horses they caught him and took him aboard of a yankee man-o-war to hang him they had the rope around his neck ready to swing him when the general turned him loose on account of his old age and bravery telling him never to be caught from home again 
fighting was going on nearly every day in sight of us sometimes the yankee gunboats would get into the bay among the rebel boats and at other times they would fight across the narrow strip of land shooting right over the houses at one another many of the cannon-balls dropped on the prairie one of them at one time struck within a few feet of mr williams almost burying him in the sand as it ploughed along on the ground poor fellow he was afterwards killed by one he carried one home and taking all the powder out of it as he supposed set it out in the yard with the hole up and then told billy to get him a coal of fire in the tongs he thought it would just flash a little i was present and not liking the looks of it crept out behind the picket gate a few yards away and peeped between the pickets the whole family was looking on to see the fun matty one of the little girls was sitting with her arms around a dog's neck within a few feet of it billy arriving with the coal handed it to his father who reached over and let it drop down into the hole where he had taken out the lead screw it seemed to me that the coal hadn't reached the hole when the thing exploded for a few seconds everything was enveloped in smoke when the smoke disappeared sufficiently for me to see the whole sky seemed to be a blaze of fire and finally mr williams emerged out of the heavy cloud of smoke hopping on one leg a piece of the bombshell had taken off part of one foot on the left leg and another piece had ploughed through the calf of his right leg part of one ear was also gone he only lived a few days a piece of the shell took off one of the dog's legs without even touching matty the little girl who had her arms around his neck several pieces went through the house and one piece went through the picket gate right over my head the next day billy and i found a large piece sticking in the wall of an old vacant house a mile from where it exploded during the war several ships were driven ashore on the beach by the yankee gunboats the folks at the settlement would get all the plunder one ship was loaded with dry goods and from that time on i wore breeches about a year after the war broke out the rebels gathered up all the cattle on the peninsula and drove them to the mainland where they were turned loose with the thousands upon thousands of wild cattle already over there their idea in doing so was to keep the yankees whom they knew would hold the lower part of the peninsula they having the best gunboats from getting fresh beef to eat there was only one cow left in the whole settlement and that was our old brownie mother had begged manfully for them to leave her for she knew we children would starve to death living on mush straight when the war broke up everybody was happy we cheered for joy when mr joe yeamans brought the good news from town shortly after this all of the men and boys that were large enough went over to the mainland to gather up the peninsula cattle on their arrival they found it a bigger job than they had figured on for they were scattered over two or three hundred miles of country and as wild as deer billy and i thought it very hard that we could not go and be cowboys too but we had lots of fun all by ourselves for we had an old mule and two or three ponies to ride so you see we practised riding in anticipation of the near future when we would be large enough to be cowboys 
after being gone about three months the crowd came back bringing with them several hundred head of cattle which they had succeeded in gathering among them were about twenty head belonging to mother the crowd went right back after more this stimulated billy and i to become a crowd of cowboys all by ourselves therefore we put in most of our time lassoing and riding wild yearlings etc we hardly stayed at home long enough to get our meals mother had to get her own wood in those days for sister had gone to school in galveston of course i always had to come home at night therefore mother would get satisfaction out of me with the black strap or mush stick after i was snugly settled in bed for my waywardness and trifling habits in the spring of eighteen sixty seven a cattleman by the name of faldian brought his family over to the peninsula for their health and rented part of our house to live in after getting his wife and babies located in their new quarters he started back home at matagorda to make preparations for spring work he having to rig up new outfits etc he persuaded mother to let me go with him and learn to run cattle when she consented i was the happiest boy in the settlement for my lifelong wish was about to be gratified chapter three my first lesson in cow punching the next day after arriving in town mr faldine sent me out to his ranch twenty miles on big boggy i rode out on the grub wagon with the colored cook that night after arriving at the ranch there being several men already there we went out wild boar hunting we got back about midnight very tired and almost used up such a hunt was very different from the coon hunts billy and i used to have at the settlement our dogs were badly gashed up by the boars and it was a wonder some of us hadn't been served the same way in a few days mr faldine came out to the ranch bringing with him several men after spending a few days gathering up the cow ponies which hadn't been used since the fall before we started for lake austin a place noted for wild cattle during the summer i was taken sick and had to go home i was laid up for two months with typhoid fever everyone thought i would die that fall about october mother married a man by the name of carrier who hailed from yankeedom he claimed that he owned a farm in michigan besides lots of other property he was very anxious to get back to his farm so persuaded mother to sell out lock stock and barrel and go with him she had hard work to find a buyer as money was very scarce but finally she got mr george burkhart a merchant in matagorda to set his own price on things and take them the house and one hundred and seventy-five acres of land only brought one hundred and seventy-five dollars the sixty head of cattle that we had succeeded in getting back from the mainland went at one dollar a head and all others that still remained on the mainland thrown in for good measure at last everything for sale was disposed of and we got chris zipperian to take us to indianola in his schooner we bade farewell to the old homestead with tears in our eyes i hated more than anything else to leave old brownie behind for she had been a friend in need as well as a friend indeed often when i would be hungry and afraid to go home for fear of mother and the mush stick she would let me go up to her on the prairie calf fashion and get my milk 
she was nearly as old as myself at indianola we took the steamship crescent city for new orleans the first night out we ran into a large brig and came very near going under the folks on the brig were nearly starved to death having been drifting about for thirty days without a rudder we took them in tow after getting our ship in trim again and landed them safely in galveston there was a bar-room on our ship and our new lord and master mr carrier put in his spare time drinking whisky and gambling i do not think he drew a sober breath from the time we left indianola until we landed in new orleans by that time he had squandered every cent received for the homestead and cattle so mother had to go down into her stocking and bring out the little pile of gold which she had saved up before the war for hard times as she used to say with this money she now bought our tickets to st louis we took passage i think on the grand republic there was also a bar-room on this boat and after wheedling mother out of the remainder of her funds he drank whisky and gambled as before so we landed in st louis without a cent mother had to pawn her feather mattress and pillows for a month's rent in an old dilapidated frame building on one of the back streets it contained only four rooms two upstairs and two down the lower rooms were occupied by the stingy old landlord and family we lived in one of the upper rooms while a mr socks whose wife was an invalid occupied the other the next day after getting established in our new quarters the old man as i called him struck out to find a job he found one at a dollar a day shoveling coal at first he brought home a dollar every night then a half and finally a quarter at last he got to coming home drunk without a nickel in his pocket he finally came up missing we didn't know what had become of him mother was sick in bed at the time from worrying i went out several times hunting work but no one would even give me a word of encouragement with the exception of an old jew who said he was sorry for me a little circumstance happened shortly after the old man pulled his trifling carcass for parts unknown which made me a better boy and no doubt a better man than i should have been had it never happened everything was white without for it had been snowing for the past two days it was about five o'clock in the evening and the cold piercing north wind was whistling through the unsealed walls of our room mother was sound asleep while sister and i sat shivering over an old broken stove which was almost cold there being no fuel in the house sister began crying and wondered why the lord let us suffer so i answered that maybe it was because we quit saying our prayers up to the time we left texas mother used to make us kneel down by the bedside and repeat the lord's prayer every night before retiring since then she had from worrying lost all interest in heavenly affairs let us say our prayers now then brother said sister drying the tears from her eyes we both knelt down against the old rusty stove and commenced about the time we had finished the door opened and in stepped mr socks with a bundle under his arm here children is a loaf of bread and some butter and i will bring you up a bucket of coal in a few moments for i suppose from the looks of the stove you are cold said the good man who had just returned from his day's work 
was ever a prayer so quickly heard we enjoyed the bread and butter for we hadn't tasted food since the morning before the next day was a nice sunny one and i struck out uptown to try and get a job shoveling snow from the sidewalks the first place i tackled was a large stone front on pine street the kind lady of the establishment said she would give me twenty-five cents if i would do a good job cleaning the sidewalk in front of the house after an hour's hard work i finished and after paying me the lady told me to call next day and she would give me a job shoveling coal down in the cellar as i had done an extra good job on the sidewalk this was encouraging and i put in the whole day shoveling snow but never found any more twenty-five cent jobs most i received for one whole hour's work was ten cents and then the old fat fellow kicked like a bay steer about the damned snow being such an expense etc from that time on i made a few dimes each day sawing wood or shoveling coal and therefore got along splendid i forgot to mention my first evening in st louis i was going home from the bakery when i noticed a large crowd gathered in front of a corner grocery i went up to see what they were doing two of the boys had just gotten through fighting when i got there the storekeeper and four or five other men were standing in the door looking on at the crowd of boys who were trying to cap another fight as i walked up hands shoved clear to the bottom of my pockets the storekeeper called out pointing at me there's a country jake that i'll bet can lick any two boys of his size in the crowd of course all eyes were then turned on to me which no doubt made me look sheepish one of the men asked me where i was from when i told him the storekeeper exclaimed by gum if he is from texas i'll bet two to one that he can clean out any two boys of his size in the crowd one of the other men took him up and they made a sham bed of ten dollars just to get me to fight the two boys were then picked out one was just about my size and the other considerably smaller they never asked me if i would take a hand in the fight until everything was ready of course i hated to crawl out for fear they might think i was a coward everything being ready the storekeeper called out dive in boys we had it up and down for quite a while finally i got the largest one down and was putting it to him in good shape when the other one picked up a piece of brick-bat and began pounding me on the back of the head with it i looked up to see what he was doing and he struck me over one eye with the bat i jumped up and the little fellow took to his heels but i soon overtook him and blackened both of his eyes up in good shape before the other boy who was coming at full tilt could get there to help him i then chased the other boy back to the crowd that ended the fight and i received two ginger snaps from the big-hearted storekeeper for my trouble i wore the nickname of tex from that time on during my stay in that neighborhood and also wore a black eye where the little fellow struck me with the bat for several days afterwards about the middle of january mother received a letter from the old man with ten dollars enclosed and begging her to come right on without delay as he had a good job and was doing well etc he was at lebanon illinois twenty-five miles from the city 
the sight of ten dollars and the inducements he held out made us hope that we would meet with better luck there so we packed up our few traps and started on the ohio and mississippi railroad on arriving in lebanon about nine o'clock at night we found the old man there waiting for us the next morning we all struck out on foot through the deep snow for moore's ranch where the old man had a job chopping cordwood a tramp of seven miles brought us to the little old log cabin which was to be our future home a few rods from our cabin stood a white frame house in which lived mr moore and his family everything went on lovely for the first week notwithstanding that the cold winds whistled through the cracks in our little cabin and we had nothing to eat but corn-bread black coffee and old salt pork that moore could not find a market for the first saturday after getting established in our new home the old man went to town and got on a glorious drunk squandered every nickel he could rake and scrape from that time on his visits to town were more frequent than his visits to the woods to work at last i was compelled to go to work for more at eight dollars a month to help keep the wolf from our door and don't you forget it i earned eight dollars a month working out in the cold without gloves and only half clothed towards spring the old man got so mean and good for nothing that the neighbors had to run him out of the country a crowd of them surrounded the house one night took the old fellow out and preached him a sermon then they gave him till morning to either skip or be hung you bet he didn't wait until morning a short while afterwards mother took sister and went to town to hunt work she left our household goods with one of the near neighbors a mr muck where they still remain i suppose if not worn out but there was nothing worth hauling off except the dishes i must say the tableware was good we had gotten them from a spanish vessel wrecked on the gulf beach during the war mother found work in a private boarding-house and sister with a mrs bell a miller's wife while i still remained with moore at the same old wages along in june some time i quit moore on account of having the ague i thought i should have money enough to take a rest until i got well but bless you i only had ninety cents to my credit moore had deducted thirty-five dollars the old man owed him out of my earnings i pulled for town as mad as an old setting hen but i soon found work again with an old fellow by the name of john sargent who was to give me eight dollars a month board and clothes and pay my doctor bills about the first of september mother and sister went to st louis where they thought wages would be higher they bade me good-bye promising to find me a place in the city so i could be with them also promised to write shortly afterwards i quit mr sargent with only one dollar to my credit and that i haven't got yet he charged me up with everything i got in the shape of clothes doctor bills medicine etc i then went to work for a carpenter to learn the trade for my board clothes etc i was to remain with him three years my first day's work was turning a big heavy stone for him to grind a lot of old rusty tools on that night after supper i broke my contract as i concluded that i knew just as much about the carpenter's trade as i wished to know and skipped for the country by moonlight 
i landed up at a mr jacobs farm twelve miles from town and got a job of work at twelve dollars a month i didn't remain there long though as i had a chill every other day regular and therefore couldn't work much i made up my mind then to pull for st louis and hunt mother and sister i had never heard a word from them since they left after buying a small satchel to put my clothes in and paying for a ticket to the city i had only twenty-five cents left and part of that i spent for dinner that day i arrived in east st louis about midnight with only ten cents left i wanted to buy a ginger cake or something as i was very hungry but i hated to as i needed the dime to pay my way across the river next morning i wasn't very well posted then in regard to the ways of getting on in the world or i would have spent the dime for something to eat and then beat my way across the river end of chapters one two and three